What is up, guys? You are listening to the Montreal Madness Podcast with your host, Tony Montreal. All right, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. Uh, special guest this week is the one and only Corey Amick. Corey, how are you doing today? Oh, we're doing good. How about yourself? Oh, pretty good. So, you know what? Let's just get right into it. The pain and misery that we saw last week between Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, first thoughts, Corey, on how that game just unfolded. I mean, it was a James Franklin masterclass. Yep. You, going into it, you knew exactly what you were going to get. And whenever I heard your predictions, I was honestly a little surprised that you and Luke both picked Penn State to win, knowing that James Franklin was on the sideline. He ha- can't perform in the big games. He has He's, what, 3-19, and 19, I think, something like that? Yeah, it's bad. Against it's bad. Ohio State and Michigan. So, I mean... Against a, In a game that was pretty even, picking Penn State I thought was pretty bold, knowing see, his track record. See, my thing is the reason why I picked Penn State to win is because they have the most, what I thought to be the best player at the most important position in Drew Aller, of him being a number one quarterback recruit. We're all talking about some three or four star, some number 15, number 20 uh, prospect. We had the number freaking one quarterback recruit uh, coming out. And... I really thought that he was going to play like the number one quarterback recruit, which is why I made that bold prediction. Boy, was I ever fooled. And boy, was I ever fooled that this was James Franklin's best team he's had in 10 years. Now, you can say that their defense, uh, that's his best defense he's had in 10 years. You won't get an argument um, from me out of that. I think they are college football playoff caliber uh, as far as their defense is, is concerned. But this is not even close to being Franklin's best offense he's had in 10 years. I mean... I thought their offensive line was good, the best he's ever had. I was wrong. Um, Ohio State constantly got pressure on the O-line. The running backs, I mean, you can't even fault them because they didn't use them. They weren't part of the game plan. Singleton did very well for the limited amount of touches that they gave him. Uh, Allen couldn't get too much going, but Singleton was easily our best offensive player. And if he touched the ball 15 times, I'd be surprised. because They each had nine carries. Which is ridiculous, because Singleton was probably up around 70 yards, if I had to just take a guess. on. I think they reach around 50-ish. Only being that few is actually surprising, because I remember first, I think it was Penn State's first drive, he went for like 15, then 12. Yeah, he popped off a couple good runs, yeah. And then he did the same thing in the second half. So I don't know why the game plan wasn't just give the ball to your hot back, let him see what he can do. And putting the ball in... Uh, Aller's hands, that was his first big-time game in, in a hostile environment like the horseshoe. It's tough for him to to thrust him into that situation. Yeah. Almost blindly, because he hasn't faced anyone yet. Let's no. be realistic. Penn State's schedule up to this point has been super weak. So you throw him against a good Ohio State defense, basically saying, like, hey, go win us the game. That was not the offensive game plan that should have been. Yeah, and you look at Ohio State used Marvin Harrison. They created plays to get him the ball, and they schemed up plays around him to get him the ball because that's their best offensive player, and they schemed him perfectly in that game. Penn State did the complete opposite with their two stud backs in Catron uh, Allen and Nicholas Singleton. That I don't understand why they did it, scheme up to utilize them to get them in open space, get them out in the flat, one-on-one of a defensive back. They're winning that nine times out of ten. And they did that one play, 
And guess what happens? Singleton dropped the ball, and it was on like a third and one or something like that. But other than that, they didn't do a damn thing with, you know, trying to get them out in the open space and let them create plays. That just drove me nuts. And then the wide receiver play was god-awful. They have no wide receivers at all. And for all the shit about, you know, Franklin being a great recruiter and everything, well, where in the hell is the fucking wide receivers? Yeah, going into the game, listening to, like, the McAfee show and College Game Day, they were talking about how Penn State can't create the deep threat, the big play threat. They didn't have it. And it, it clearly showed our receivers create zero separation. And when they did create separation, Alar, nine times out of ten, missed them. Yeah. Didn't have a good game. Receivers didn't have a good game. I don't know why we didn't just use our running backs. And one other thing, Ohio State's defense was good. We knew that coming in. But I think that um, our left tackle, Fashanu, got exposed a little bit. I don't think that he had a great game. They're, um, Ohio State's defensive lineman, can't think of his name That right JTT or whatever his yeah, name is. He was blowing up Fashanu all game to the point where it was almost embarrassing that our top five prospect he, He's supposed to be in the number one offensive line taken off the board this yeah, draft. Yeah, and for that, that type of caliber of player... He was getting embarrassed on Saturday. He couldn't. He couldn't stop him. It was. Um, it was. It was bad for him. No, it was just not a good day for Penn State offense. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. The Penn State defense. They did their job. They were 100% the only positive in that game. Uh, they came ready to play. They had a good scheme. Yes, they let. Harrison go off a little bit. What was it, 11 catches, 160 some yards? Like that. But that's the only thing Ohio State offense had all game. And they only put up, what, 20 points, and that was it. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you think about it, take that Marvis Harrison touchdown was basically in garbage time almost. So Yeah, end of the game. It, to, for the most part, they held them to 13 points. Yeah. Defense did exactly what they need to do. Yep. They held them. Ohio State had zero run game. Kyle McCord yes. had a decent game, but I mean, Other, I mean 80% of Harrison. his yards, 80% of his yards were <laughs> Harrison. So yep. for the most part, he didn't do a whole lot. It was just Marvin Harrison Jr. being the game wrecker that he is yeah. in carrying Ohio State to a big-time victory. And honestly, that was the biggest difference in the game. Ohio State had an X-factor, and Penn State did not. That was the entire difference in the game. I was expecting a lot more man-to-man, Kalen King on Marvin Harrison, put your best defensive back on, your, on their best receiver, but... They didn't do that whole lot. They went with a lot of zone, and yes, Marvin Harrison Jr. just, he eats zones alive. He finds space because he's a great route runner, and they used him on a lot of short routes, like the touchdown, for example, was mm-hmm. a drag route that he just found space, and he beat a defensive back to the edge. Yep. It was it was easy for him because he's got the speed, he's got the separation ability, but I would have liked to see Kalen King manned up to him a little bit more because he's supposed to be a great defensive back. That's You got to... Try and neutralize Harrison as much as you can. Yeah. Um, But like you said, other than that, though, the defense played great. Now, I do want to ask you this. If that, when Penn State had that scoop and score called back for a touchdown, let's say there was no flag on the play and that play counted, does that change the dynamic of that game at all? Does Penn State win that game with that scoop and score if it was called a touchdown and not reverse back, or do they still lose that game? Because that was a big play. It was a very big play. Do they still lose? I don't know. Do they win? I don't know. Because it changes just everything. Because it takes the ball of uh, 
Alar's hands. You can run the ball because you have a lead. Yeah. Defense is playing well. You don't have to worry about getting that big play. You can use your good backs. And Ohio State makes them chase the game a little bit more. McCord, he was down one other time this season to Notre Dame. Came out, won the game. Force him to beat you again. Yeah. Take away the running game completely. Make him make a mistake. Make the big play. And that call being called back on a fairly weak holding it, yeah, it kind of really took the wind out of the sails for Penn State because that's just such a huge momentum swing mm-hmm. in the game. I really did think that the defense after that, though, they didn't fold, which was good to see. You know, how many times over the years where we've, where we've seen Penn State, especially their defense, they let up a big play like that or a big play doesn't go their way and they just fold like a piece of paper. But this game, they didn't. You know, they kept uh, Penn State, their offense in the game. They had that big uh, fourth and goal stop at the goal line, which I thought right then and there, the offense would have turned on and be like, all right, you carried us for three freaking quarters. We're going to bail you out here. And that's what frustrated me the most. Even Ohio State's first drive of the game, they went down and got into red zone. Defense clamped down, forced a field goal. Right there, I was like, if Penn State can just force field goals all game, you have a good chance to win this, because I had some faith in our yep. offense. I yep. mean, they basically did just hold them to field goals all game, yeah. but our offense was just not there. I'm, and I'm going to keep going back to Allerman. You know, Franklin is what he is. He's a good coach, not a great coach. You know, he even made the quote five years ago saying, how hey, we're a great team, but we're not an elite team. Well, that was five years ago, and we're still in the same freaking boat. But I really thought the difference this year was because we had a number one quarterback recruit, and it didn't make a freaking difference. He played like absolute dog shit, and that was the most frustrating thing for me. Um, but now this game is done and over with. How well, do you? S- one thing I want to add in: just Alar missed a lot of open receivers on the last drive when in garbage time. Drives down the field, he gets gets a touchdown. That touchdown throw he had was was pretty nice. I don't understand why he couldn't do that the yeah, entire game. Yeah, but that's the thing that they're playing prevent. They're basically letting him score at that point. All teams do that. I mean, that's, that, that's one thing that frustrates me is why the defense prevent does defense is so does that. Yeah, and it's not just in college. It's, you see it all the time in the NFL too, which is just mind numbing to me. But regardless, just looked like a three-star recruit out there. And I don't want to, you know, you can say the offensive line was trash, the receivers were trash, and the game plan and the offensive play calling was trash. All three of them are actually true. But you would think a number one quarterback recruit, I'm going to keep going back to this, can overcome that, can mask that. You know, you look at Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins and JT Barrett of the years for Ohio State. You know, they didn't have, you know, all pros down the lineup, but they masked some of their problems because they were good quarterbacks. I really thought we were going to see that Saturday, and boy, was I fooled. One thing I think that the Penn State offense is kind of almost in a transition period with is our last two quarterbacks in McSorley and Sean Clifford. They could use their legs. That's Alar true. Alar is a statue back there. He he is slow, slow. <laughs> like I'm interested in what his 40 time would be just because – he can't he can't outrun defensive tackles which is which is bad his pocket presence is, presence is fairly decent but he can't outrun defensive linemen so once our offensive line has a bad block and someone's free you might as well chalk it up as a sack and especially what they did really good Ohio State's defensive line is they got pressure up the middle they forced pressure in his face to where he couldn't plant his foot and, you know, make that big-time throw. Yeah. Which, credit to Ohio State, they had a really good game plan on defense, and they executed it almost to perfection. 
Um, it's just I would just like to see your number one quarterback recruit again make plays like a number one quarterback recruit should. Yeah, yeah. Being the five star that he was, and I mean, for granted, again, he didn't play much competition up to this point in the season. You were expecting more. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. sure, putting up, what, 63 against Massachusetts is nice, but if it's you can only put up if you can only put up <laughs> six against Ohio State, then that game means nothing to me. Yeah. Which, I mean, has also been James Franklin's M.O. He beats the bad teams, can't win the big games. I mean, a large perfect for him then. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. Big picture. Um, you know, they have Indiana coming next week. You know, I'm not... Yes, we'll make our predictions later, but yes, they will win um, that game. But, you know, the biggest game after this is Michigan, and I do not see them beating them. I mean, I see them losing by multiple scores against Michigan. Our only positive going into the Michigan game is they love the run game. They have um, Blake Corum, and do they still have the um, other one that played last year for them? I can't think of his name right now. uh, But... If they still have them, if they still have them, then that's a two-head monster in the backfield. Yep. But our run defense has been pretty good. If we go into the Michigan game, make JJ McCarthy make the plays. See if we can stop him. He's looked good this year. If we can force McCarthy to beat us, I think we have a good chance. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna win? I wouldn't go that far <laughs> because Alar is going up against another very good defense, even better than Ohio State. Yes. I could argue. But I mean, beating Michigan is our only hope into the Big Ten championship game we have to beat michigan then michigan has to beat ohio state that way we all have one loss even playing field yep but that's a big ask that is a big ask yep and uh you know let's go back to franklin here you know all the garbage stats that he has as far as you know playing top 10 teams um especially on the road uh it's it's bad i think he only has one win against a top 15 opponent or even i think maybe ap 25 opponent on the road and that was iowa back in 2017 um, it's just, you know, he's, and I want to say this right now, the argument that's, that people make about coaching Frank, about firing Franklin, where they're like, oh, well, you want to potentially go from a 9, 10, 11 uh, uh, win years to, oh, you hire another coach and he takes you down to only seven or eight wins a year. I'd rather take that chance on getting a new coach who can elevate you to that next level, what James Franklin talked about five years ago, and he can't get you to where you're at now. Um, I will take that ten times out of ten. You know, it, he's proven. How much How much more proof do you need where, Franklin, when it comes to playing the big games, Ohio State and Michigan, and getting yourself into the Big Ten Championship and getting yourself into the college football playoff, he can't do it. That's that's not who he is. Yeah, he – what he – Goes to the Big Ten Championship game one time where he won it. Off Granted. a fluke play with a block <laughs> yeah. field goal against Ohio State. Yeah, but beating Michigan Ohio State three times over his, how many years been there now? Ten. Ten years, yep. which is insane. We still got like eight more years left on his contract. Yeah. But I think he should have left after 2020. Because I think in 2019, we went like five and seven. No, that like was that. the COVID year. 2020, we went yeah. like, only had like well, four or five wins. The year before, In 2020, we had seven wins. He went seven and six, I believe. And then the year before, he only had like four or five wins. There was a two-year span well, no, where it was the, terrible. Well, no, the four-year win, the four-year win total was in 2020. 2019 was Clifford's first year where they went like nine or three or ten and two. 
because their first loss when they went to Minnesota. There, there was two years back to back where he was really? one was under 500, then one was just over. Okay, yeah. but regardless, I, I'm pretty sure it was 2020. He went like seven and six. Where before that he had had good years. Right there after that seven and six season, I get it's a COVID year. You didn't have Micah Parsons. He chose not to play that year, I believe. Mm-hmm. But right there is a red flag. Right there, as a true coach, you have to you gotta rally the troops. Yep. You got to use what you have, and he clearly couldn't do it. Right there is where like. See you, buddy. Out the door, but instead we give him a ten-year contract extension, just so we can be mediocre again. I We're gonna go to the Outback Bowl again this year. He's gonna win everyone some free blooming on yeah. Illuminans. That's gonna be about <laughs> it. Like, that's the best he's at. Hey, you want to go to Outback then, January? Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be all it's good for. You know, speaking of you know, Franklin being there for another eight years and his contract whether or whatever, what really pissed me off: Sandy Barber, the former AD, she left this past year. She gave Franklin in her last year that 10-year, $80 million contract. What a piece of shit move by her. Because guess what? What you do if you're an actual competent AD is you leave the program and you let the new AD decide the fate for the football program. What you what you do now with locking him in 10 years, $80 million, your last year, you put the new AD, you know, you cuff him basically. Yeah. It's like if you're going to buy him out, that's gonna that's hurt the pro- I, It's in a lot. It's a lot of money, and it's gonna suffer the program too. Yeah. And so, what Sandy Barber did, giving him that contract, and her, and she knew it was gonna be her last year at Penn State too, was oh, that pissed me off so much. Yeah. That's gonna hurt Penn State for the next ten years. Yeah, because eight million. I mean, NFL wise, that's not a lot, but college, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a that's a top tier college contract yes and you've locked us in now for eight more years of mediocrity yep which which is just almost unacceptable Mm -hmm. because we're penn state we used to win national championships not a ton but we were at least fighting for them yeah we can't get to that level with franklin yeah he's a great recruiter but why can't we elevate him then to just a recruiting position and get an actual head coach in there. I was joking to Dan whenever we were watching the game. I was like, we should go out and get like Urban Meyer. I was <laughs> yes! like, the guy is an absolute trash human being, but he won college football games. I'll and take the NFL, it. And the NFL I'll, was I'll terrible. take it. I don't give a shit at this point. <laughs> I mean, hey, get some. He has a vendetta against Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. Bring him in. Why? Why not? I mean, he. At least then you have more of an expectation to where you can't can't put on the coach because. In college football, Urban Meyer's a god. Yeah. He he knows what won, he's doing. Yeah, he won constantly. Yeah. And I mean, he might even be a better recruiter than Franklin. Oh. Probably is. Oh, oh, 100% he would be. Maybe not now, because people know he's not oh, very nice. Oh, nah, people <laughs> would still, kids would still be, rec- I mean, they'll still want to get Urban Meyer because they know the history. He He's taken two separate programs and two separate conferences and have won national championships with them. Especially with NIL money now. Exactly. Imagine all the NIL money Urban Meyer would bring in. Yeah. It, uh, oh, it just frustrates the hell out of me. And you know, right? I watched College Game Day before the game on Saturday, and Ryan Day had a fantastic quote. You know what? Never mind. It wasn't a College Day Game Day. It was on the Pat McAfee show, yes, the day before on Friday. He said, now I'm paraphrasing, of course, he said something along the lines of, you know, not every kid can play for Ohio State, you know, and that's just the way it is. We we want people who, you know, aren't average, who are the best of the best. You know, not everybody can play for us. And that's what he said. And that's how you get a good team. 
Yeah. That's how you get a great team and an elite team right there. And with that attitude, you know, not everybody can play for us because we're different. We're Ohio State. Damn it. I want that same fucking attitude at Penn State, but God fucking forbid. Yeah, and Ohio State, they have they have the numbers to back it up. They can go to any recruit and be like, if you come to our college, you're going to win games. Yep. Might, might not get you a national championship game because we'll fold to Michigan, but, <laughs> but we can we can give a good run when... 11, 12 games, get to a high bowl game. And you're going to be playing with some of the other best recruits in the country because they have that polling power. Yep. Marvin Harrison Jr., he wasn't going to go to Ohio State. He went to Ohio State because his buddy Kyle McCord went there. Went yeah, to high school together. Exactly. That's polling power. They pull Kyle McCord, and because Marvin Harrison doesn't leave, want to leave his buddy, goes to Ohio State. Now he's the best player in college football. He's going to be a top five draft pick yep. coming into the NFL draft. And... That's just something Ohio State, I mean, not Ohio State, Penn State, can only dream of. Yeah. Getting that type of pull power. You got, I think McCord was a four-star recruit out of high school. Four or five, yeah. I mean, he but was... But getting a four-star quarterback, yep. that's not bad. Then yep. getting someone like Marvin Harrison Jr., he's an absolute game changer in yeah. every single game he plays. Yep. Uh, you know, you just spoke about Michigan there. Uh, what do you think about the whole Michigan scandal? I think it's kind of crap. I mean... Stealing signals. If you don't want people to steal your signals, then you should get rid of the big billboards that have four squares yes. of different things on every single <laughs> yep. sideline. Anyone can pick up on that. Yeah, you can watch TV and probably pick up on it. Yeah, I think it's just scouting. Like you yeah. go and you're watching a game. Yep. Like and something that they talked about on McAfee, whether it's true or not. I mean, they're bigger than us, obviously. They mm-hmm. if they're talking about it. But apparently the guy that was doing it was using his own name, own bank account and everything. Apparently he used to work in like the military or whatever. Yeah, he's a Marine. Yeah, and people were saying that he was using these tickets under his name mm-hmm. to get his buddies into games. He wasn't even there. It's just yeah, that his so name what? is on the receipt. Yeah, so, so what? Like, Who gives a shit? Yeah, I think it's just people trying to bring down Michigan and uh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh because they've been doing so well for so long. And it's Michigan. They're... Uh, scandal ridden. Yeah. Every single year something comes out. Hard I mean, had a scandal over leave. a hamburger. Over a freaking hamburger, there was a scandal. Like, yeah. That's why they sus- well, Michigan suspended Harbaugh for what, the first three or four games? I think it was three. Because he bought a kid a hamburger. Yeah. Whoop the freaking do. Yeah. Like, it, the, I think people just like to hate on Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Fair play. I guess everyone wants to hate on something. Yeah. Now, I will say this um, if this becomes a bigger problem than what we perceive it to be, do you see Jim Harbaugh, like just like Pete Carroll did the USC, uh, set sail and go back to the NFL? I mean, why not? You're going to probably get more money. <laughs> yep. He's a proven winner. He got to the Super yeah. Bowl. He won with Colin freaking Kaepernick. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got him to the Super Bowl. I mean, for granted, that defense was like top five that year, I think. Yeah, oh, they were number one defense that yeah, year. Yeah, they were stacked on defense. So, I mean, but he knows how to win. Yeah. He's one at the NFL level, one at the college level, so... Any NFL team, for the most part, would be lucky to have Harbaugh. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, end this Penn State talk here real quick. Uh, predictions against Indiana this Saturday. I mean, we should win. I'm hoping maybe the Ohio State loss lit a fire under us. Yeah, we can, we can come out. Honestly, we know the run game works. I want to see Alar come out and put up some numbers, show that, get him some confidence back. Because there were a couple of times when that sideline against Ohio State, dude looked like he was on the verge of tears. Yeah, because, he was crying at his press conference after the game. Yeah, like 
I understand you're young and everything, but you gotta be a leader, gotta man up for your mistakes and everything, but hopefully he can come out, have a good game. We gotta put up 40-plus, I think. We gotta get that offense some confidence back. Yeah, I think it's gonna be, outside of Ohio State, it's gonna be a carbon copy of what they've done the prior, what, six games to four last Saturday. Um, They're gonna dominate on defense, which they dominated against Ohio State. Um, And the offense, I think they'll put up, you know, I don't think they'll put up 40. I think they'll put up 30-some because I just don't think you can, like a light switch, you can't, like, turn it around, you know, with a snap of a finger yeah. like that. Um, I have my final score being 37-13. Uh, uh, That's a fair one. I'll yeah. go. Like I said, I want to see some offense out of them. Gotta I want get to, some too. Offense. I just don't see it. I'm going to go 45-10. Okay. All right. With a defensive touchdown. With a defensive <laughs> touchdown. So the offense is only scoring 30 points. Yep. I love it. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some NFL football, particularly the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I know last week, kind of put my foot in my mouth a little bit. I predicted the Rams to win 27-13. The Steelers are winning 24-17. The offense in the fourth quarter kind of reminded me a little bit of the Pittsburgh Steeler heyday whenever it was Bell, Ben, and Brown, the way that offense was just controlling the game in the fourth quarter. Yet, through the first three quarters, they looked like absolute dog shit like they have the past two to three years on offense. And then they got bailed out there in the fourth quarter. That that fourth and one QB sneak, Kenny Pickett was clearly short. Yeah. And yep. the, the rest bound out gave them <laughs> the most favorable spot of the yep. entire weekend. To be fair, the refs, the, Rams the, the refs were bad the that whole entire game. Oh um, like, yeah, should pick should should Pickens and Deontay Johnson kept their mouth shut a, a little bit more? Yes, 100%. But I've seen worse, you know, taunting, uh, you know, uh, yeah. what's the word? Um, Unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, yeah, type. and not be called. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, to be fair, the refs were complete trash against both teams that whole game. Uh, refs were trash everywhere. Some yeah. of the calls throughout the weekend were awful. Really? College and NFL. Oh, my God. Did you see the end of the Iowa game? Not mm. to get sidetracked, but... You know, I'm remembering it, but I don't really understand their, what went on. Their defensive back was back to return a punt. Okay. He never waved his arm. He Oh, yeah, he kind yeah. Of, he kind of went like this yeah, to he, clear his team out. Yes. And the ref, he picked it up, returned it for a touchdown. And the ref said, oh, he fair caught it. Yeah. yeah. Where if it was a fair catch, once That's he picked right. up the ball and started to run, would have been a penalty for fair catching, <laughs> for fair catching interference. But, Bring back the replacement refs. <laughs> and then they weren't good in the, the Brown-Colt game. They were terrible. They weren't very good in the Steeler-Ram game. No. Pickett got that bad spot. Um, the Rams had a bad defensive pass interference called against them. And they just didn't get the chances that they should have if the refs would have just let the game play. You know what would fix all this? Maybe not fix all of it, but I think it would help. You know how after the end of the game, players and coaches are required to take questions from reporters and stuff? The refs? The refs need to... Are, the refs should be required to take questions from reporters and stuff after the game. Yeah. Um, because they're, the, the so refs are shielded like crazy. Call. Yeah. Um, Jim Irsay, owner of the Colts, actually came he out came, and said... He got in trouble for that. Or yeah, he's going to get in trouble for it. He came out and said that he wants all, call, all penalties to be reviewable within the last two minutes. I think it should be like last five minutes. That's five minutes of oh, game's value. See, that's the thing, though. That's it, when it, you're, you're on turn games point, in the four to a half, five hours. Yeah. You don't want that. But the refs of the the NFL came out and said that 
the refs in the at the end of the game made a mistake. Whoop de doo. That's that's still a loss on their schedule for yeah. a team that's in a playoff fight right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. That that's not going to help them losing to an in-conference opponent yep. that they probably could have beat. I mean, you put up 38 points against the Browns. That's a that's something. Yes, cuz the Browns have been the statistically the number 1 defense yeah. in the NFL. And to have a game basically stolen from you because of the refs is just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You still Yeah, watch, oh, so- <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, going back to the Steeler game here. The Steelers are 4 and 2 now. They enter a three-game home stretch. Uh, I just they're getting lucky a lot of the time and they're getting bailed out by just a couple individual individual players. TJ Watt, TJ Watt Alex Highsmith among them. And it's just not a winning recipe. Like, yeah, you can win a few games like that, especially early in the year, you know, September and October. Come November, especially come December and January, you're not to find a way to freaking put some points on the board and be a and be a competent offense for four quarters, not just 15 minutes, but for a full 60 minutes. Um, I was thinking about it earlier. Actually, the Steelers this year remind me a lot of the Vikings last year. Winning mm. your one-score games. Their two losses for Pittsburgh been blown. Then been blown, blown out. out. Yep. But every game they've won, one-score game. Yep. If you win your one-score games, probably going to make the playoffs. But whenever you get to the playoffs and come up against a good, a good team. team who's good in all three phases, you're going to get exposed, just like the Vikings did. Yeah. Second best record, I think, the NFC last year. Exposed against a wild-card uh, Giants, Giants team. team yeah. yeah. By, led by Daniel Jones. Yeah. That's... Right now, that's exactly what the Steelers are on track for. Yeah, is to win your one-score games by some grace of God. Yes, <laughs> basically yeah. TJ Watt bailing you out every week. Yeah, and then get to the playoffs and get exposed. I mean, you made the playoffs, which is great, but if you get embarrassed, I'd rather have the draft capital at that yeah. point. Speaking of draft capital, there's all these talks of how the Steelers are favorites to get DeAndre Hopkins or Patrick Sertan from the. Broncos and like what would you trade for Patrick Sertan a couple first round picks and this guy and that guy and it just blows my mind because they are nowhere near Super Bowl ready let alone playoff ready like you said once they if they even make the playoffs this year it's gonna be like the last six years if they make the playoffs they're gonna get blown out and it's just mind-numbing to see people talk like that and it's just like they finally have a recipe for success in the draft. If this last year's draft was any notion of how they're going to draft in the years to come, I'm going to love this roster in three to four years. You know, they they brought in Andy Weidel. He used to be a part of the Eagles front office who is constantly producing top two, top three uh, draft classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do it by drafting the big guys up front on both sides of the ball uh, in your with your first and second round picks, that's why their offensive, defensive fronts are the best in the NFL. And guess what they did? They traded up to get Broderick Jones. They got um, Benton from Wisconsin. Um, you know, and I'm loving that. You know, next year, more than anything, they need a franchise center again. They also need to beef up the defensive line again. Because guess what? Kim Hayward. You know, he's only has a year or two left, and he's retiring. He's yeah. done. He got activated. Yeah, he, he is. Today. Yeah, but I think he is coming back. He's like 36. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, there. he's in his mid to late thirties, yeah, and he, you know he's, he's honestly top tier. Yeah, he's just too old. Yeah, exactly. He used to be, but he's just he's on the back end of his career. He's actually can't outlived rely on him. He's do. outlived his expectancy for a defensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, how often you hear defensive lineman playing at a high ability in their uh, mid to late thirties? Yeah. You never hear of that. You, you can't rely on someone like him to be your core. In the center exactly. Of he line. needs to he's be a role player, old. like Fletcher Cox is for Philadelphia. Now he's yeah. a role player. Yeah, he's he's not your Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter's. They're mm-hmm. your they're your game wreckers. Fletcher Cox comes in for a couple of snaps, might get a sack here or there, because Davis and Carter have absolutely destroyed that offensive and he's line fresh and worn them off out. The bench. Yeah, anyone coming off the bench fresh is going to have an advantage, which is what Hayward's role is going to have to be probably going next year. Yeah. Just because you can't do anything with them this year. you got to play Yeah, him. which is why you don't trade your first and second round picks for immediate help, who, in the in the grand scheme of things, won't help you win a playoff game, let alone a Super Bowl, because they have so many holes on their team. You know, I think Joey Porter Jr. is going to be a really good defensive back um, in his career in Pittsburgh. Uh, but outside of Joey Porter Jr., who do they have a <laughs> defensive back? Nothing. They need to draft another guy they need they need to draft a guy to play with minka you know they have keanu neal and demonte kz they're average to blow average safeties they need somebody who can uh load a strong safety who can load the box so that way minka can play his natural position which is center field being the free safety position yeah. that he you know supposed to play but he's forced to play in the box because the steelers have a hard time stopping the run because their defensive line still sucks yeah. That's why they need to keep these high-end first, second-round picks so they can keep building. You people who say that are fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, Steelers historically have been a great uh, run defense. This year, not so much. They, Their I, pr- bottom half, definitely. The past two or three defense. years, they've been garbage stopping the run. And usually they're super solid on linebacker. I mean, they have... T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, who were, for the most part, edge rushers, if you want to count them as linebackers. Yeah, I'm not even going to count them as... Yeah, I mean, I know T.J. Watt dropped in the coverage, and he got the interception. Yeah, but, but that, how that's often not, does that's he, not what do, he does. Exactly, He's exactly. usually in there getting sacks and stuff. But yep. like, you had Devin Bush. <laughs> Didn't pan out at all. Not on the team anymore. He was nope. a first-round pick. He's not Traded the, up for him. He's on the. I think he's either on the Seattle Seahawks practice squad, or he's just not playing for a team right now. Yeah, like, he turned out to be a bust. Yep. The... Middle, your middle backers, who are your coverage guys, your yep. run stoppers. Yes. They just are almost non-existent right now. For they the don't Steelers. have a Ryan Shazier. How they don't have a Vince Williams anymore. You know, yeah, was Vince Williams lackey and past defense? Yeah, for sure. But damn, he could fucking stuff the run. They don't even have that anymore. Should have kept, um, oh, he's with the Raiders now. Oh, Spillane, I, th- I think he Spillane's was overrated. what you got. No, I actually <laughs> think their overhaul of the middle linebacker position this year compared to last year is way better. But it's not good enough to be, con- you know you know what I mean? We, you can see it with how the Rams ran the ball on us, you know. Yeah. Um, we Without lo- uh, Kieran Williams. Yeah, and, or Ronnie Rivers, their backup. They had, yeah. th- had Daryl Henderson, he took off the practice squad, and another guy, I can't even remember his name because he's a nobody. Yeah. And they still put up 135 yard, uh, rushing yards on the ground. Yeah. Um, it's not like, you know, back in my, I said about this last week, uh, you know, when we were little, the 2000s, early 2010s, man, if you had a hundred, if they had a hundred yard rusher, uh, against them the next week, you were lucky to have 30, 40 yards on the ground. You just, they they made you, they made you one dimensional at the, on the opening kickoff. That's how good they were. Uh, it's just, just isn't the same Pittsburgh Steelers anymore. You know, call me old school, but 
man, I wish they could stop the run way better. Yeah, I mean, but defensive line, linebacker, that's not the only problem the Steelers have. No, their, their main <laughs> concern is an offense. Let's talk a little bit about Kenny Pickett. You know, obviously he struggled for the first uh, two and a half, three quarters. Turned it on in the fourth quarter, and, you know, he looked really good. Guess who else? I talked about this last episode as well. Guess who else looked really good in the fourth quarter, but he was a terrible quarterback. You, can you uh, name the player who I'm thinking of? Terrible quarterback. He was a terrible quarterback. He was a terrible, quarterback. terrible quarterback, except for the last two drives of the game, and he just pulled a horseshoe out of his ass every time and won, <laughs> won for them. He beat the Steelers in a wild card game. Blake Bortles? I don't even Tim know. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. Okay. That's who freaking Kenny Pickett reminds me of. That. Absolute dog shit through three quarters. Come the fourth quarter, the defense, you know, keeps him in the game. Guess who wins in the game? Yeah. I mean, hey, it was, it was <laughs> Tebow time. Tebow time. But Kenny Pickett, I think he is more of a problem than Matt Canada. I know mm. you hear the Matt Canada, Fire Canada chants all over the place. But Canada... Had the offense moving fairly decent at the back end of Ben's career. Wasn't typical Ben, because he was just getting older. He couldn't move yeah, like he used to. His knees were the, shot. Yeah, the weapons weren't there. The offensive line wasn't as good. But Canada still got, what, like a 4,000-yard season out of Ben? Dude, they, have, they, they haven't had a 400-yard uh, total offensive game in 53 games, dude. But Ben had a 4,000-yard season, though, didn't he? That was before that. Oh, it was before that? Yeah, that was that's <clears throat> literally... Matt Cannon has had, I think, 53 games as offensive coordinator, and it's been 53 games since they've had a 400-yard total <laughs> offensive game. But, I mean, the, the offense was working better with Ben. Ben was a better quarterback than Pickett. I think Pickett just, he can't see the field super well. His best receiver is George Pickens, who is, for the most part, a jump ball guy. See, I, a separation, I, for me, I don't see Pickens getting a ton of separation. Yeah, see, I will go, I'll go against you on that, because... There was a few plays last game where he was running some slants and some posts in the middle of the field. There was nobody near him. He he, he can get separation. It's a fact they they cannot scheme their receivers to get open, especially in the middle of the field. That's all they asked Pickens to do was run go routes along the sideline because that's all Matt Canada can scheme up. That's the way his offense is. He's not that intelligent, I don't think. I don't think he's that intelligent of a person. But at the same time, I feel like Pickens should be able to just almost run go routes all the time because you got Deontay Johnson, who's a really good route runner. Let him open up the middle field. Then you got Allen Robinson. Yeah, he's a little bit older, but throughout his whole career, been pretty good route runner. They're your guys that need to create your space, so that way you get the defense to close in on the middle of the field. Then you got Pickens one-on-one outside. You got him on a deep one. That That's where it comes on to Pickett to hit the receivers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're 100% right. And it, it's a two-fold situation. I'm not here to say that... Pickett is worse than Canada, or Canada is worse than Pickett. They go hand-in-hand. Hand. I do think that if you eliminate Matt Canada and you bring in a, you know, Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan-type offensive guru to help Kenny Pickett, it will elevate his game. Yes. Um, at that point, it will be on him. Exactly. But at the same time, if you're a good quarterback, like all quarterbacks, like all good quarterbacks do, they mask an offensive coordinator's maybe downfalls a little bit. Yeah. Like, I feel like Justin Herbert hasn't had the greatest offensive coordinators in the world, yet he's still putting up really big numbers and, yeah. you know, putting up a lot of points on the board. Um, you know, you you have more to say that than I do. Like, 
Because you've been a Charger fan. Being a Charger fan. Herbert's on his, I think, this is fourth year in the league. He's on his third, third offensive system. Yeah. So right there, he's like, it's almost like Baker Mayfield. You can't learn an offense consistently whenever you're constantly switching it up. Yeah. And it doesn't help that Herbert's never had a top 20 defense. Yeah. Like, the Chargers score some of the most points in the NFL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they also give up the most points but in the But see, NFL. that's the thing. He is a good quarterback to where he can overcome an offensive coordinator, but... On the flip side, it's like, you know Kenny Pickett can't overcome Matt Cannon because he's just not that guy. Yeah. Um, what, still waiting for his first 300-yard game, I think? He has one 300-yard game in his career, and that was his first career start against the Bills. Obviously, they lost 38-3, to <laughs> so he had a lot of garbage time to work he had with. Like 50-something <laughs> Yeah, he had a lot of garbage time to work with. Yeah. So Only I mean, one multiple uh, touchdown passing touchdown passing game in his career that was against the Raiders this past year right there if you're looking for a franchise guy I understand he's getting you wins but a lot of the defense a lot of those wins yes are coming from the defense making the offense only have to score 17 points whenever you only have to score 17 points pretty easy because the defense is playing so well you need someone who can go out there whenever the defense isn't having a good game and light up the scoreboard Mm -hmm. which in the games this season where the defense hasn't had good games against the 49ers and the Texans, you need Kenny Pickett go out there and put on a performance. Yeah. Scored, what, six and six? Yeah. So, right there, it's you go, You got to get more production out of Kenny Pickett as a thrower. The mm-hmm. running game's another story. It's You know what's funny? I thought they looked good or like running the ball last week against the Rams. When you look at the total stats, they only had 86 yards rushing. <laughs> yeah. And what, 15 of it came on one play for Warren? Yeah. For the touchdown? Yep, exactly. So, whenever you, a fifth of your rushing yards are on one play. Yeah. And, like, they do, I talked, again, I talked about this last week, they do this zone blocking bullshit, and ever since I was in, you know, a little kid, they were always known as, you know, they would pull the guard and they do lead plays and trap, and they'd always, you know, have the guards move. They rarely do that anymore, mm-hmm. and you know it all comes again. It comes down to coaching, and we haven't even got the Mike Tallman yet in this podcast. You know, <laughs> it's just a reflection of like you know the head coach all the way down to his assistants and the coordinators. It's just he can't put together a good staff. Yeah. You know, and that you know, look at his coaching tree. He has no coaching tree. He, yeah, one no guy, one... Bruce Arians, but it took Tom Brady for him to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, I mean, I think Arians is a lot better coach than people give him credit for. Yeah, he didn't win the Super Bowl. He did have Jameis Winston, there. you know, for yeah, a while, hey, 30 too. for 30. Winston yeah. was <laughs> thrown for 5,000 yards. Yeah. And once, and even now, I get they lost Tom Brady. But look at the Bucks last year, whenever they had Brady, but without Arians. Offense was awful. I think yeah. Bruce Arians was a very good coach. Which, he's the only one that's ever come out of Pittsburgh under Tomlin. Yes. Where Tomlin wasn't even a Pittsburgh guy. He came from... Where'd he come from? Uh, New England? The Vikings. Vikings. He was like a yep. defensive back coach. He's uh, he a defensive back coach for the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl in 2002. Then he went to be the D.C. for the Vikings. And then, you know, the Steelers got him. Yeah. Where, I mean, Tomlin, he's got the never had a, never had a losing season, great numbers, makes the playoffs. But for the most part, I think a lot of that is more player ability than coaching because he's always had for the most part weapons he had ben uh, inherited the inherited ben inherited heinz ward inherited that whole his first super bowl win was yes 100 percent. and then his other super bowl 
was a, still with Cowers team. Yeah, basically. Still with Cowers. <laughs> what the first one? Who they beat in the first one? I can't even. Remember. The Cardinals. The Cardinals. And then they lost to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in yeah, the second okay. Super Bowl. Yeah, where I mean, for granted, you lost Aaron Rodgers. At yeah, almost peak Aaron Rodgers. Exactly, that was so, prime prime A Rod right yeah. there. So, which is tough, but still, yeah, you, you had a chance mm-hmm. in that game. I believe I have a picture of it of Tomlin's um like playoff record, and it's it's honestly kind of hilarious. Oh, he has a losing record in the playoffs, and I can already tell you right now, he can only beat below average quarterbacks in the playoffs. They had they beat this guy last day more from Miami, Alex Smith. Um, you know, yeah, they beat like, Philip Rivers one year, Joe Flacco, uh, you know, the quality quarterbacks they've beaten in the playoffs are just not good. Yeah, like, I won't read the whole thing because it's Tomlin's entire playoff thing, but yeah. like, 2007, his first year, one and done at home to David Garrard, <laughs> and yeah. it says they blew a fourth quarter lead. Yep. Then in 2008, whenever they won the Super Bowl, no Tom Brady, they beat the Chargers at home without LaDainian Tomlinson, <laughs> then they beat a rookie Joe Flacco. Yep. And then beat the Cardinals whenever they had Kurt Warner, who was 40 years old, <laughs> yep. which also included the Steelers blowing a 16-point uh, fourth-quarter lead. So, yeah. I mean, that that's tough. Then, no playoffs. 2010, you beat Joe Flacco, which had a fourth-quarter blown lead. Mark Sanchez. Then you beat Mark Sanchez. <laughs> whoop, whoop-de-doo. Anyone could have beat Mark Sanchez. Yep. <laughs> and then you lost to Aaron Rodgers. And then, one and done against... Tebow, no playoffs, no yep. playoffs, one done. You beat A.J. McCarron, then lost to Peyton Manning. <laughs> An beat, old Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah. Then then we're up to 2016, lost, or they beat Matt Moore. Matt Moore, that's who it they is. They kicked six field goals to beat Alex Smith. Yep. And then they got, got blown up by Brady. They, then got beat. And then they Blake. lost to Blake freaking Bortles the next year. Yeah. And then and it's been complete shit ever gave since. Up like 40 points to Blake Bortles. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. But overall, Tomlin, he's always had the team to get there. But once you get to the playoffs, that's where you got to scheme better, where the coach needs to basically do what he's getting paid for. Yep. You got to outcoach the other guy on the sideline. Yep. And if you can't do that, I mean. My, in my opinion, a bit of a fraud. See, here's the thing. His whole M.O. is he lets his playmakers let pl- make plays, and that's it. He doesn't try to scheme up or anything like that. He just tries He just tries to put his guys, his playmakers, in positions to make plays, and that's it. Instead of trying to, you know, scheme like you said, scheme against the other team, he just tries to put his best players in the best positions, and look how that's turned out, especially when they, when they don't have – all pros at every freaking position like yeah. they did back in 2008 in those days. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and for the, that five-year span where he had not, we'll say back-end peak Ben, then yeah. you had peak Le'Veon and peak Antonio Brown. Brown. Couldn't You couldn't win a Super Bowl with them. Yeah. You had the most explosive offense in yeah. the NFL, yes. and you couldn't win a Super Bowl. Top five offensive line. Yeah, like, and... right, right there, that's got to be a red yep. flag. I feel like any other coach on any other team gets fired but the Steeler 100%. way is to keep him because he's winning yep Steeler, it's not all about winning <laughs> this the Steeler way is the NFL's doing laps around the Steelers right now just the way they operate yeah um, and unless like you said unless they get an offensive guru just because that's the way the NFL is trending right now you're Mike McDaniels Kyle Shanahan's you're gonna get left in the dust yep exactly when, I, I think we're seeing that with the Bills now Sean McDermott he's actually you know he's a defensive coach he's actually the DC now he's calling the defensive plays for yeah. the Bills, and you don't have that Brian Dable anymore. Yeah. You have this guy named Ken Dorsey, and the Bills are suffering because of it. You can't. Yeah. It's, it, 
you cannot win with defensive-minded head coaches anymore. You look at Bill Belichick. The probably he will go down as the greatest head coach of all time well, as yeah. of right now. Yeah. You know, I know he struggled the last couple even, years of Mac Jones. Even if he has a downfall, he's still probably great. Just because his peak was exactly insane. six Super Bowls. And you can say he had Brady all you want, but damn, the way they dominate, especially on defense, they took away the other team's top quarterback and wide receivers and stuff constantly. Like he, he was, was scheming for it. Yes, scheming. Yes, like it's. You have to, and Belichick's the best to ever do. Yeah, I, and I swear, people who are just on Tomlin's bandwagon, they're a cult. It, I swear <laughs> to God, it's like a cult. You know, you can tell them this, that, and the other about you know Tomlin's shortcomings. Oh, and they come up with every excuse in the book. Like well, you know, the, it's the big one is that he's never had a losing record. Where, I mean, look at the division again, they played for all these years. Yeah, you've you know had what the, I mean. You've had until recently the Bengals being. 500 at best. Yeah. And you had the Browns being the Browns. <laughs> yes, exactly. Going 1 and 35. Exactly. That's four wins a year right there. Yeah. You only need another four besides for when they, you know, added an extra game in the regular season. You only needed another four wins to reach 500. Yeah. It wasn't that tough. And, and usually you take one from the Ravens just because that's the way it yes, is. Yes. That that's, that's how a rivalry works. So right there, we're down to three. <laughs> yep. We're down to three wins. Yep. You need to get Exactly. 500. And, you know, he's, he, you know, like, we talked about just a little bit ago, inherited a Hall of Fame quarterback, inherited a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator in Dick LeBeau. You know, he ran that defense. He knew what he was doing. You know, Tomlin was just there for the freaking ride. Yeah, 100%. But, uh, all right, let's get away from this a little bit and actually talk about, um, you know, what's happening right now. So the Steelers, they are 4-2, uh, start their three-game uh, home homestand against uh, Jacksonville Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. This is going to be a game where it's going to be a tell how the rest of the season is going to go. And, you know, the Steelers' defense, they're going to become ready to play. Um, They're going to keep the Steelers in the game. It's just, can this offense now replicate what they did in the fourth quarter last week for, I wouldn't even say an entire game. Just a couple drives in the first half is all I'm asking for. Put up 14 points in the f- first half. That's all I'm asking for. I don't think it's that much to ask. See, I, I think this week's going to be a very tough game for the Steelers just because we, we talked about they can't stop the run very well. ETN is on fire right now. Yes. You, he cannot be stopped right now. So you got to plan for ETN, which leaves Trevor Lawrence to throw to Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley, and Christian Kirk. Yep. Which one do you game plan for? It's super hard defensively a game plan for the Jags, plus yeah. they're they're super hot right now. And then defensively, they're they're stout. They held yeah. the Bills to what, like seven points in the first half whenever they yeah. played him in London? Yep. Maybe even six. I mean, obviously Josh Allen's gonna do his thing, he's gonna get his team back in the game. But yeah, overall they held him just like twenty some points. I think it was like or wasn't it even twenty points? I forget what Something the fuck. Somewhere around there. It yeah, was, it wasn't a lot of points. It's it, just, it wasn't put a it that way. Bill's performance because the yeah. Jags shut them down. They game plan very well, shut down Josh Allen. And sorry, Steeler fans, not going to want to hear it, but Kenny Pickett's not Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, you're 100. percent I'm a Steeler fan. Yep, you're 100 percent like, right. It's gonna. I think it's gonna be a very tough game for them to create chances and then stop the chances that Jacksonville creates. Okay, answer me this: Steelers win if <sighs> T.J. Watt gets. Five sacks and three forced fumbles. <laughs> <laughs> the entire Jacksonville offense just breaks their legs. I don't know. Like, I I just don't see a way out of it for them because the Texans came in with a pretty high-powered offense at that time, mm-hmm. put up 30. Jacksonville, better offense. I think yeah. it's just going to be very difficult 
for the Steelers. I mean, your only option is Kenny Pickett has to manage the game well. He has to keep the defense, the Pittsburgh defense, off the field. He can't go three and out, back-to-back drives. He's got to maintain something. It does, you don't have to score points every time. At least flip field least, position. Yeah, if you can at least get a decent drive going to where your defense doesn't get a two-minute break, yeah. that'll help them. Yeah. And, um... Oh, shit. What was I going to say? I draw a blank again. Um, all right. So, Steelers lose if... Jacksonville plays their game. Really, that's all it takes if Jacksonville I, I plays think their so. game? I think Jacksonville is just better on every aspect yeah. right now doug peterson's got the boys flying yeah trevor lawrence he's heated up their what four game win streak right now i believe yeah they were one and two to start the season another five and two yeah yeah so i mean they're they're hot right now pittsburgh's gotta create turnovers if trevor lawrence gets in his own way the steelers can win yeah um now kind of being counterintuitive here so the steelers shut down Cooper Cup. I mean, I know he had two drops that first drive, but he only finished with like two or three catches the entire game. Um, so if they can do that to Cooper Cup, why can't they do that to like a Calvin Ridley? Who, yeah, he's good, but he's not at the same level as Cooper Cup. You know what I mean? Or uh, Christian Kirk. Game, though. Hmm? Puka Nakua had a pretty good game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think he is. And a... I mean, for for Jacksonville's expectations of Calvin Ridley, and I would know I have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> He's been subpar. He's had two good games. You tried to trade him to me, asshole. Yeah, I mean, I don't want him anymore. <laughs> he, he's been very subpar. That Jacksonville offense has been running through ETN and Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk always finds space. He's, I don't know, he's kind of like a Cooper Cup. He has fine space at all times. He's always open. And he's really fast. Last, uh, their last game, he turned a little check down into like a 43-yard touchdown just because he's fast enough to beat defenders. Yeah. Like, so, if you want a game plan for Ridley, I mean, he didn't take much game planning, apparently. he's he, <laughs> might, he might be washed. Yeah. Then you got Kirk, who's going to be open. If you game plan for Kirk, maybe Ridley shows why he, he was a number one draft pick a couple years ago. Yeah. He has a good game. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's put our money where, th- where our mouth is. Final score prediction for the Steelers-Jags game. We'll go... 38-13. It's going to be think, a route. I, I think so. It's going to be a route. I mean, just the 49ers, that first game, where I don't think Brock Perry is anything good, had a very good game offensively. It didn't help that the defense was just stuffing the Steelers. Couldn't do anything. Yeah. Defense was gassed. Yeah. But they could have put up a lot more points. Mm-hmm. I think Jacksonville's offense is probably on the same tier as San Francisco's. Oh, I wouldn't go that Dude, far. They got weapons. They got weapons. And they have a better quarterback. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, I see this game going as, uh, hmm. I, th- I think it's going to be, oh, my gosh. Um, all right. First half, Jags going to have the lead. The Steelers' defense is going to keep a minute. It's going to be up to the Steelers' defense to create a turnover to like they did against the Rams to you know put them put the offense in a very good position like they did last week to score a touchdown and get the offense moving and clicking which that's what it took can they do it two weeks in a row um <laughs> and i find that 
hard to do. I see it being a lot closer than what Corey says, but ultimately, I think the Jags are just they're they're just an overall better uh, team, and they're a more well coached team than what the Steelers are. I think this game is going to go Jacksonville twenty seven. Steelers 16, but again, it's going to be closer than what the score is. It's just, unless Pickett and the offense put together a whole game, which I just don't think they can do it. It would be a garbage time touchdown and field goals. If they do it, great. And as a Steeler fan, I hope for it. But what have I seen, not just this year, but last year and the year before, to give me hope that they can put together an entire um, game on offense? They haven't showed me anything like that. Yeah. So that's where I get my final score of 27 Jacksonville, 16 Pittsburgh. Hey, I respect it. I mean, you got to be realistic. Yeah. I I don't think that they can. I mean, can they win the game? Obviously, I just don't yes. think it's very expected. Just because, I mean, although a lot of people had money on the Rams last week. That's Steelers, I predicted so. the Rams to win 27-13. It's just the way they win is just not. It's, it's It almost seems cheesy. Like, they, <laughs> they, they are just awful but once the fourth quarter turns yes once it turns towards i will say this if if, if the steelers are within one score going the fourth quarter they will win that game they got a good chance i just don't see the steelers being within that one score in the fourth quarter that's where you get my final score prediction from they start off very slow which yes it can only work for so long they only have i think oh they only have two or three first half offensive touchdowns this that's, year, and that's, that's just game. Not good enough. They've played six games. Yeah, that's just. Not <laughs> they good have, enough. I think, going into the Rams game, they had a total of eight touchdowns, and now at the Rams game, they have eleven now through six games. That's just they're not even averaging two a game. <laughs> that's that's rough. One thing I want to touch on before we finish: the Steelers. What do you think their outlook is like for the rest of the season with how? on fire the AFC North is right now. You got a two-loss Brown team, a two-loss Raven team. Then you got the Bengals, who are 3-3 three and three right now, I believe. But they're going up against a Brock Purdy-less 49ers this week. Yeah. So, what do you think the outlook is for us the year oh, for the Steelers? Well, we already beat Cleveland and the Ravens, okay? It seems like Pittsburgh has Cleveland's number... And from the past couple years, they have not only the Ravens' number, but they have Lamar Jackson's number. Lamar Jackson, his career, I believe, has only beaten the Steelers twice. He's only played. They yeah, played they, whenever, he whenever. hasn't played a lot against him because he's yeah. been hurt. Yeah. Um, but you you got to think though that between the Cleveland Browns and the Ravens, they're only winning one of those two games, if that. Okay. They've struggled mightily against the Bengals the past couple years. Yes, I know they beat them last year in Week One, but that's the thing. Joe Burrow started terribly. <laughs> that and it's Week One. There's so many upsets in Week One just because it's a new year. You don't get to see a lot of film. Um, you know what I mean? It's just it's a recipe for upsets in in Week One. Yeah. But now they're playing Cincinnati twice in the in the last half of the year. And they're lucky. They've this, apparently figured it out. Yeah. They're, they'll be lucky to split against Cincinnati. Um, I see them going 3-3 three and three in the division this year. They already have two wins. I only see them winning one other game in the division this year. And, again, um, at the end of the year, it's it's, it's going to be what? 9-8. and eight. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, even if you go 3-3 three and three in your division, depending on what the other teams do, 
Steelers could finish last in that division. Yeah. Just because I don't if, think if they're finishing Cle- last because I don't think Cle- I think Cleveland's finishing last. Steelers will be third. Okay. I mean that's that's fair. The Browns will be the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> is what they say. Especially if Deshaun Watson acting like a complete pussy. You and know PJ what I mean? Walker's been better for me. <laughs> yeah. PJ Walker two and zero right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that Brown defense, they're historic right now. Miles Garrett is has to be defensive player of the year right now. He's an absolute stud. But the Steelers, they have to stay hot. They have to win some of these close games against good teams. Like, they have Seattle coming up late in the year. Gotta win. You gotta beat the Colts. Gotta beat the Packers. Their last three games on the road. Yeah. Their last three games are on the road. You're gonna have to win them because I don't see the Ravens slowing down. Lamar, after what he just did to the Lions, looks... He looked crazy. Yeah. But Um, look what the Steelers did to Lamar. I mean, I know I just said the Steelers seem to have his number, but... Yeah. Um... And then if Joe Burrow gets hot, say they finish third in their division, that probably won't get you to the playoffs because no. the AFC is just it's stacked. very good. You got, what, two teams in the East in the um, Miami Dolphins and Bills. And, yeah. Then if you have three teams competing in the North. The South, you only have one, realistically. Yeah, Jacksonville. Because I think Tennessee is going to be selling. They just already cut Kevin Byard. Or Byard. Yeah. I mean, Derrick Henry is rumored a lot. To be going, they said the Ravens are the favorite right now. Oh, that Byer went to the Eagles. Yeah, Byer went to the Eagles. Yeah. Henry's uh, favorite to go to the Ravens, where if they get Derrick Henry, oh my. Yeah. That, that, that is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, the run pass option is going to be insane. insane. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to let Derrick Henry, who gets 1,000 yards every season, run on you, or you're going to let Lamar run on you? Yeah. Or he can obviously throw it, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. going to be way too much for opposing defenses. Yeah. Then out west, you have the Chiefs, maybe the Chargers, if yeah. they turn around. I was about to say, you're going to have a 10-win team in the AFC not make playoffs this year. Which, Paul, Paul. yeah, you have seven teams in each conference making the playoffs, and to have a 10-win team not make it is insane. Yeah, it's the AFC is just so good right now. But, but I still think the Super Bowl winner is going to be out of the NFC. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think so. Between the Eagles and the 49ers, those are your two picks in the NFC? Yeah, or probably. Or you, you see a sleeper in there? The sleeper, even though the record doesn't show it, I think the sleeper is the Lions in the NFC. Just I, they're 5-2. Just... Jared Goff, he's made it to the Super Bowl before. I, I you, You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, they He lost to uh, the Patriots. Yeah, They're and, Patriots' uh, last Super Bowl win, yeah. Yeah, 10-3 game. <laughs> yeah, that was Super the most boring ever. Super Bowl I've ever watched before. Um, <laughs> all right, bef- before we end here, just really quick. Chargers, what, two and four? Yep. Do you <clears> see them making any sort of like a four or five game win streak and putting themselves back <laughs> into contention? I was telling uh, some people the other night whenever I was talking to them, they play Sunday night against the Bears, against um, Baggin bag, bag, or whatever Yeah, name whatever is. the hell his name is. I hope they lose. I hope the Chargers, <laughs> as a Charger fan, I hope they come out and lose to the two and five terrible Bears so Brandon Staley gets fired. That, that... If Brandon Staley gets fired, I don't care what the record well, is for rest of the season. You know, it's really like he blew that. What was it? Twenty-seven or 30? twenty-seven? Nothing. Yeah, league. we were at JD's watching that game. Uh, why wasn't he? He shouldn't have been on the plane home. Yeah, they should have left him in Jacksonville that night. Brandon Staley, for being a defensive guy, has been terrible. Yeah. The Chargers, even before... And they the, have, it's not like they have shit players on defense either. They, 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 they have, have stars. stars. They have a star stud at defense. You got yeah. Khalil Mack. Uh, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. That's who the safety they had. Yeah. J- they had J.C. Jackson. What happened to him, by the way? What what's they, his... they traded him? Yeah, back I mean, to the Patriots. What what, what happened? He was a locker room disruption, basically. But something like he got Staley... arrested or something. Oh or... yeah, he got arrested. Um, I think it was back in New England for something, 
and then mm. he basically carried he didn't notify the chargers so it got carried over and then he skipped his court hearing that's right he skipped his court yeah. hearing <laughs> yes yeah, so he was just being a locker room disruption um disturbance yeah staley said get out of here and now our defensive backs are awful which staley just can't get figured out <clears throat> he came from the rams he had one good year as a defensive coordinator came to the chargers he was a defensive guy defense is terrible can't stop the run comes out staley's actually a defensive line guru this year we can stop the run but we are getting passed on like it is nobody's business yeah it's like there's no balance yeah there's no balance there's no happy medium we can't just have one good game where we put everything together which is why i don't know i herbert signed his deal right he's not a rookie deal anymore right no he's second highest paid quarterback right now do you see him obviously not this year probably not even next year but let's say two no three years down the road the chargers are still yeah he's still doing his thing he's still balling out but the Chargers still being the Chargers. Do you see him requesting a trade? Or he's not that type of guy? Because obviously I, you know more no, about the Chargers than I do. I don't think he'll request a trade just because he's he grew up a Charger fan. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, there's a picture of him online you can find. He was running like a track and field day in elementary school wearing a Charger shirt. He, he grew up a Charger fan. I don't think he requests a trade. I think he's happy there. Why I would you think, be happy, though, when you have all this talent but it's not utilized right? Or do you think that the Chargers probably don't wise up and they'll get a good head coach? You can only hope. Um, their GM, Tom Telesco, great guy. He won a Super Bowl in uh, Indianapolis with Peyton Manning. Oh, that, so okay. he has background in winning. It's just, I think a lot of it is on the coaching staff. Yeah. They just can't properly do it right now. Where, honestly, I would love to see Kellen Moore become the head coach, then led defensive coordinator do his thing. Because, like we said... Offensive gurus are trending. Callan Moore has been yeah. great. Has the Chargers as like the second or third highest scoring offense, mm-hmm. I think. They're putting up points. They just can't yeah. stop the points. I mean, look at Mike McDaniels. Like, he's just an offensive guru, and he just lets, like you said, the defense corner do his thing, and yeah. they're one of the best teams in the NFL right now. I mean, yeah. and I think their problem is they just, they have too much speed and not enough grit, but that's a, that's a personnel thing. That's not a coaching thing. That's just a personnel thing. Yeah, I mean, they've kept two a protected yeah. Fantastically. I mean, he's taking he three. He's, he's taking his three-step drop back, planting his back foot, and just slinging it. Yeah. Which, whenever you have Tyreek and Waddle, to yeah. the fastest and one of the fastest receivers in the league, it's yeah. not very hard to create space for them, mm-hmm. where he can just anticipate, and it's super easy for him. If they get the defense figured out, they'll be the Miami's going to be very good. Yeah. But. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up here? Um. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you, actually. I've been seeing stuff online about it. <clears throat> I missed it, obviously. But apparently, in the Steeler game this past week, Minka yeah. hit Puka Nakua real low, a, a knee shot. And I saw people online saying that Minka is the dirtiest player in the NFL because he took he took Nick Chubb out with, the knee, with a knee shot, which, I mean, freak accident, but still he went low. Mm-hmm. And then he hit... Puka with a very similar shot. How do you feel about Minka being called a dirty player? So here's the thing. I'm having a hard time remembering that play. I mean, I watched the entire game. It's not like I missed like a quarter or anything like that. I don't remember it, but I do understand where you're coming about, you know, he's getting a rap being a dirty player. Guess who else shot at the knees of players but was never considered a dirty player? Troy Paul Malo. He used his entire body as a piss missile and just 
flew his whole entire body into the lower half of a of an offensive guy of the ball carrier whatever he was never considered a dirty player mink is not a dirty player but guess what nor the tackle in today's nfl you can't hit high you have to go low so yeah. what's the best possible option you take the guy's legs up from under him to stop him yeah, you, you know him, it's give him a torn acl or cte yeah exactly it's a damned if you damned if you do damned if you don't situation and another thing, the reason why Mink is even making these tackles, I talked about this earlier in the show, is that they have a hard time stopping the run. Minka, instead of playing his free safety position in the center field and making plays and getting all these interceptions, he's forced to play in the box, and he's not the biggest guy out there. So he has to, because if he tries to tackle somebody from the chest up, he's going to get freaking pancaked every freaking time. He has to go low, just like Troy Polamalu. <clears throat> Never the biggest guy in the world, obviously, but he, in order him to be a good player, he had to go low. Yeah. Um, it's just leverage. Yeah, exactly. It's just at how it is. You know, he's not a dirty player. It's just in order for him to be a good player, that's how he has to play. Yeah. So he's not a dirty <clears throat> player. He was never known as a dirty player up until the Nick Chubb hit. You know, it's just it is what it is. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's football. Exactly. And I'm the first guy. I'll call out my own team's players. I don't give a shit. You know, I – Yes, do I root for the Steelers every single game? Want them to go 17-0 and win the Super Bowl? Yeah, but I'm a realist. I'll call it as it is, and I don't feel like I'm being a homer and saying that, no, he's not a dirty player. Yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. Um, one last thing. Say say the Steelers' season goes to hell. Yeah. Kenny Pickett's not the guy. Do you trade up for a quarterback this year? So many quarterback prospects No, because... Year. My reasoning behind that is how many times have we seen teams who they've been shit and they get awarded the first, second, third pick in the draft and they draft a quarterback only for that quarterback to turn out to be shit and that quarterback turns out to be shit a lot of the times because they don't have a team around him. The offensive line sucks, no weapons, the defense sucks, and it just it, it ruins them. I would rather see the Steelers build outward, you know, uh, build a top five offensive line. Build a top five defensive Let the line. And be the de- last piece. Yes, exactly. Because once you that exactly what happened to Big Ben. The reason why Big Ben was so good because they had a Super Bowl winning team. They just needed the quarterback other than Tommy freaking Maddox. Well, another great example. Um, the Broncos back whenever they got Peyton Manning. Yeah. They what? They went to back to back Super Bowls with him. One they lost. One they won. Yeah. And I mean, they had the team. They just need a quarterback yep. that could win a game. Buccaneers a couple years ago, Brady. Yeah, Brady. They yep. had the team. Bring in Tom, exactly, exactly. So the Steelers, if that were to happen, they need to build through the draft. Get, I mean, I know they're young, but just get better, especially on the interior side of the ball on both sides. Get that squared away. You build outward from there, and then, like you said, the last piece needs to be the quarterback, and that's how you win a Super Bowl right there. Yeah, that's fair. I respect it. Yep. Thank you. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Montreal Madness. Corey, thank you so much for coming. This is really awesome. Hope you're back more often, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime you want me on, just let me know. By the way, tune in next week. We're to have a very, very special guest. You will not want to miss it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Montreal Madness. <laughs>